0: Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I'm the pastor of Elevation Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you. Hope it builds your faith. Hope it gives you perspective to see God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Mark, chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. I want to read this whole passage to you again, and let's look at this this proclamation that God wants to make. You didn't lose it. Say that to the person next to you. You didn't lose it. and Put it in the chat. Those of you that are on YouTube right now say, I didn't lose it. Amen. Uh, Mark 9, 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. "'What are y'all fighting about now?' Jesus asked. (laughs) I wonder if he's still asking that question. Uh, A man in the crowd answered, verse 17, "'Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now listen to the phrase Jesus uses. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. So this thing that's been controlling this boy isn't going out without a fight. It's not going to go out just because you came to church one time. It's not going to happen just because you watched one YouTube sermon. It's not going to happen because you listened to worship on the way to work for two days in a row. And so the boy falls to the ground and rolls around and foams at the mouth. And we said last week, let's don't get so caught up in the symptoms that we miss the spirit that was at work in the situation. It's the devil, it's the evil one. He comes to kill and steal and destroy. And in this boy's case, it was a physical manifestation. But in many of our cases, it doesn't manifest in this way. It manifests in different ways. You know, we all we all have we all have different ways that we experience this. But Jesus asked the boy's father, and I think this is an important question, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And this is the part that stood out to us last week. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, He rebuked the impure spirit. "'You deaf and mute spirit,' he said, "'I command you, come out of him and never enter him again.' The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, "'He's dead.'" Many said, "'He's dead.'" Many said, "'He's dead.'" dead." But But Jesus. Many said, "'But Jesus.'" Many said but Jesus. Popular opinion never overrides God's purpose. Many said, but Jesus. Y'all love the Bible. Many said, but Jesus. They don't have the last word. They don't have the last word. Many said, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Now, here's where we want to go today. After Jesus had gone indoors, His disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, This kind can only come out by prayer. Why couldn't we do it? My first instinct in reading the text was to judge the disciples for their lack of faith to help this boy. And I even wanted to tell them, You know, if you would have spent less time arguing with the teachers of the law. Maybe you could have helped the boy. Now, I've got to be honest. I'm hard on myself, so maybe I'm reading into the text how I feel about myself, and Holly helps me with this. Holly has helped me in so many ways, but one of the main things she helps me with… And I'm telling you, man, people will come up to me all the time. It's like, we like you a lot, but we love Holly. And I'm like, that's how I feel too. I only like me. Sometimes I love her. She's amazing. And however amazing she looks, she's much more amazing up close. And not everybody's like that, but she really is like that. And she's got better every year, and she's taught me so much. She she teaches me things like she'll say after she she did a Bible study for y'all. And we're gonna share this with our e-groups. It's called Essentials. And she's gonna break down the essentials, just getting back to basics, fundamental training, you know, core strength, to put it in fitness terms. And we're gonna share it this, this, this fall with our e groups. But um, when she came home from filming it, she, w- she said something I've never said after I preached. It was really good. Never once have I put down the mic and walked off and gone. That, that was really good. Never, ever. The best it gets for me on the inside, because I'm really hard on myself and she helps me with this, the best it gets for me is I don't want to die, right? That would be my version of really good. (laughs) I don't want to quit and go get a job at Guitar Center. I'm really hard on myself. And she helps me with that. And my instinct is, and I shouldn't be confessing all this, I always feel like I said too much after I preach too, which is part of the reason that I never like it after I preach it, because I open up my gaping wounds and bleed all over you, and then I walk back to stitch it together myself. But Holly helps me, because I'm I'm typically thinking like… I'm thinking like that my best is behind me. So for instance, if I preach a sermon and I feel like ah I didn't say it like I was supposed to and I saw seven people yawn when I was in only my first point and uh, wow that guy's asleep over there if I see all that when I'm preaching my instinct is to think like I think I I think I've lost it. Or if I open my Bible and I'm looking for a sermon and it's Monday and I can't find one that's fine. If I'm looking for a sermon and it's Tuesday, I don't know. That's fine. Wednesday, I'm okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday, I start repenting of every sin I committed from childhood, stuff I did when I was 16. I start telling the Lord I'm sorry for everything, just in case, because I'm like, where did you go, Lord? <laughs> I think I lost it. Um, Sometimes when I'm going to create, um, and Chris can tell you this, but a lot of times if we go to write a song and and we don't get a good song that day, I'll I'll leave and I'll be like, I don't know, maybe I'm just maybe our my season of songwriting is over. Just it only takes one bad day, you know. I lost it. And Holly's really good because she will uh, she'll get in there and she, she talks tough to me. She has a whole other gear, a whole other demeanor that's not sweet. And, but at the same time, she's like, you, you didn't lose it. And she, she's, she's really good about getting me to see like, that a bad day doesn't mean you're going backwards in general. I'm a catastrophizer, right? If I walk in the room and the church is kind of only like there's, there's not as many people as there were the week before, I'm like, it's over. losing relevance. We're losing ground. It's terrible. I'm not bragging about this. I just relate to the disciples because I think they're afraid. They, they, they go to cast out this demon, and they can't do it, and they're like, Jesus, what happened? Did we lose it? Because they did this before. They cast out demons before. It isn't like they never did it before, but they go to do it, and it doesn't work, and then Bartholomew tries, and it doesn't work. And Andrew tries and it doesn't work, and then Judas tries and you know it didn't work. And after they're all finished trying, because Jesus, now, now Jesus is up on a mountain being transfigured. The voice of the Father is speaking over him: "This is my Son, whom I love, and I am well pleased in him." That's what happened in Mark chapter nine, part A. And he's got with him his favorite disciples, like you have your favorite kid. And uh, Peter, James, and John come back down the mountain only to find. That the glory that they experienced and the radiance that they experienced on the mountain is not exactly in full operation in the valley. And isn't life just like that to where you have to get from the mountains of, of inspiration and encouragement and to get into the valleys of these hardships? And I'm now more than ever, I'm kind of looking at the disciples in a new light because I'm a middle aged man. And I know what it feels like to be like, "This ain't working like it used to work." Before I go in the gym, I have to wrap up my elbow, my wrists, my I'm wearing headgear before I go in there soon." <laughs> my son says, "Dad, you look like a robot. You're so like wrapped up because stuff hurts, it doesn't work like it used to work. You know? And I think... Uh, for a split second here, the disciples, they're asking Jesus, and I want to point this out. Give me the scripture back on the screen. It said, after Jesus, verse 28, had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Everybody say privately. privately. They asked Jesus privately. And I wrote down a question How much better off would we be if we asked Jesus some things privately? Instead of saying things publicly. Y'all don't like that? Because instead of blaming the teachers of the law, they finally realized that we have to we have to fix this internally, privately. And Jesus said, This kind can come out only by prayer. So now the disciples are asking Jesus privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And the father, I don't know if you noticed this, but the father in verse 24, he says something that sounds like a contradiction on the surface. And the really spiritual over spiritual scratch and sniff Christians don't like this verse because it doesn't sound so concrete. It's a little too abstract. It's got too much tension in it. He said, I do believe, verse 24, help me overcome my unbelief. The father who brought his son to Jesus who needed healing is struggling with the same thing that the disciples are struggling with, unbelief. He immediately exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. So The message last week was built around the idea that there is a difference between you and your feelings. There's a difference between you and your thoughts. There's a difference between you and your emotions. There's a difference between you and your successes. There's a difference between you and your failures. You are not it. This boy is possessed by a spirit that's making him do all kinds of things to harm him, but he's still the son of the father, and the father still sees his son beneath the things that he struggles with. Just like your father still sees you, your heavenly father still sees you separate from the things that you struggle with and how he dealt with the sin that stood against you on the cross. So he doesn't see your sin when he looks at you. He doesn't see your successes when he looks at you. He sees a son. He sees a daughter. You are not it. You are not it. We are so addicted to it in our culture that when we really want to compliment somebody that they're good at something, we'll say, you're a machine. Man, you're a machine. Wow, you're just amazing. You're a machine. That's a downgrade. How did you take me out of the animal kingdom and make me a machine? How did you you demote me into what I just did? And so the trick is you can't let people do that to you positively or negatively, right? You can't let people identify you with your gift because you're more than your gift. You can't let people identify you with your sin because you're more than your sin. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are made in his image and in his likeness. And the Father said, this is my Son, just like God the Father said over Jesus, this is my Son. The Father in Mark chapter 9 says, this is my Son, and he's got problems, but he is not it. He is not it. And the disciples are learning a valuable lesson, and the Father is learning a valuable lesson that in owning your doubts, you don't disqualify your faith. I do believe… Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, there's a couple miracles in this passage. One is that the boy gets healed of his condition, and two is that the man asks for help. How many women know that for a man to ask for help is a miracle in itself? Now, not me. I ask Holly for help all the time. I, I Particularly this one of the things in our marriage. I told you that she helps me a lot. I am horrible about losing things and then freaking out and thinking it's gone forever. And Holly's more calm. So every morning we start our day with me losing my AirPods. Every morning. I know this is some real first world problems I'm telling you about up here, but every morning, this is the first thing we do. I don't seek the Lord. I look for my AirPods because I have sleep issues. So I always put something really boring in my AirPod to fall asleep to. And I spend the first 10 minutes of the day looking for the AirPod. And then after five minutes of looking for it, I ask you, I ask you, Holly, to help me and ask her to help me. And she does. She's been doing this our whole marriage because my first instinct is, it's gone. It's gone. It'll never be back again, whether it's sunglasses, AirPods, my anointing. I told you, my first instinct is, it's gone. It's gone. I don't feel God's presence right now. I guess it's gone. I've been looking for my AirPods for 30 seconds. They're not here, they're gone. And she says, Do you think they got up and walked away? You put them in your ear seven hours ago. They are here somewhere. This is what she taught me. You don't know how to look. Y'all shut up. She said, you don't know how to look. I said, I looked. She said, you look with your eyes. To really look, you can't just use your eyes. She said, This was several years ago. She said, I'm gonna teach you how to look. She started picking stuff up. She said, See what I'm doing? I'm lifting while I'm looking. Whoa! I'm lifting while I'm looking. See, I'm looking underneath stuff. I'm moving the pillow. I'm peeling back the covers. And God said, Some of y'all look, but you don't lift. You don't know how to look. So, in the past six months, you've said stuff like this. I've lost my faith. You didn't lose it. You just don't know how to look. Why were y'all shouting so much when I was talking about me and Holly? Mm. When I talk to people, I notice the way we phrase things. We say… I lost my joy. I lost my peace. How many of y'all have said in the last 30 days, I feel like I'm losing my mind? How many of y'all didn't even get that specific? Just, I feel like I'm losing it. You didn't lose it. You just have to learn how to look. And sometimes looking means lifting stuff, looking under stuff, not just walking in. It's gone. Well, I woke up in a good mood, but y'all just… Devil just stole my joy. I guess he did. You left it lying right out for him to take. You didn't lock the door roll up the window. No, I'm preaching to me, because I'll say I lost it, but I haven't really even looked. I haven't even really looked. The man said, I do believe. That's why I brought my boy to you. I still have faith, but will you help me with my unbelief? Now, what I want to teach you today, there's a difference between having unbelief and being an unbeliever. He did not say, I'm an unbeliever. He said, I have unbelief. And when you have doubts about anything in your life, what God spoke to you, or even who God is, sometimes many of us doubt the existence of God. That doesn't make you an unbeliever. There's a difference between having unbelief. Immediately he exclaimed, did you see that word? Immediately he exclaimed, immediately he exclaimed, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And we understand that although his explanation was immediate, his unbelief probably came over time. Because his boy has been in this condition since childhood. And perhaps at the first sign or symptom that his boy had something wrong with him, he believed. But life has a way of layering unbelief. And beneath the layers of unbelief is still a you that trusts God. And we try to bring you into church sometimes and remove all of the doubts from the equation. We do that sometimes through preaching cliches or by making vague promises that you're going to make it to the other side and things like that. And I preach those things too, and sometimes they have value, but sometimes I think we we think that God is going to decrease our doubts. The Father in this passage prayed that Jesus would increase his faith. Help me overcome my unbelief, and he's shifted now. When he first started talking to Jesus, your disciples couldn't do it. The first instinct was to blame. But now he's understanding that it's not going to get me anywhere to blame Jesus' staff. If I want my boy healed, I'm going to have to get beneath all the surface reasons that it didn't work, and I'm going to have to own this for myself. Help my unbelief. Would you have the guts to pray that out loud? Help my unbelief. Now, we pray, help my bank account. We pray, help my husband act right. We pray all kinds of things, but when you say, help my unbelief, power happens. That's the connection right there. Help my unbelief. And there are some things that we need to unbelieve before we can believe what we need to believe. Unbelief creeps in. It doesn't come in all at once. You don't wake up one day and talk about, like, I just don't believe anymore. As years go by, as disappointments accumulate… Here's one way of saying that. Faith doesn't disappear. It deteriorates. Just it wears away. I wrote a book in 2010 in my journey of faith called Sun Stand Still. Two people. Read that book, My Mom and Israel. That's, that's all I heard. But it's a good book. It was about believing God for the impossible. I watched my dad die of ALS a couple of years later. And I had to go back and revisit: do I still believe that God can do the impossible? My friend Levi Lusko prayed, Sunstand still over his five-year-old daughter, and she died in his arms of an asthma attack as he tried to resuscitate her. I have to go back in my life now and separate out the events that happened that caused me to doubt from the faith that I have to realize that sometimes we didn't really lose our faith, we misplaced it. Is this too deep, babe? We misplaced it. It didn't get up and walk away, you didn't lose your faith, you misplaced it. In the Father's case, he said, your disciples couldn't drive it out. Your disciples couldn't do it. The disciples weren't the ones that you needed to believe in to begin with. Many of us lost our faith in Jesus because we put our trust in people. So we lose our faith in God because somebody else let us down? Because the disciples couldn't do it? You're going to walk away from what God has for you? I don't go to church anymore. I got burned. Have you ever had a bad meal? Do you still eat? Help my unbelief. I've watched my son like this so long. You know, when it's been so long like this, it just adds up over time to where his first instinct is. I, I do believe, but will you help me overcome the part of me that doesn't? I'll never forget when I was in Orangeburg, South Carolina, preaching on a Friday night. And I preached a sermon back in the day on Jonathan from 1 Samuel 14, Old Testament character. He's the son of Saul the king. And I preached that thing for 1 Samuel 14 6 so many times. I mean, I've preached it so many times. And I used to talk about how Jonathan said, uh, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. And I talked about how that sounds kind of like he's, uh, he hadn't quite made up his mind. Nothing can hinder the Lord. Perhaps God will act. And I called it the perhaps paradox. Now, this was a little small church and I don't know, was I 19 years old that this guy drove me back to, uh, the host home where we were staying and the guy's name was Rodney that was driving me. And On the way home, uh, you know, I'm insecure, so I said, how'd you like the sermon, Rodney? Well, I shouldn't ask that. He said, uh, He said, I don't know if I'd call that a sermon, what you did up there. I'm not making this up. He said, there's no perhaps about it. If God said he'll do it, he'll do it. stuff you're preaching up there isn't faith, it's doubt. I said, but I got it from the Bible, Rodney. I read the Bible. That's what Jonathan said in the Bible. I was preaching the Bible verse. He said, no, no, no. If God said he'll do it, he'll do it, and there's no if about it. Hold on. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And Jesus did it, even though the man said, If. So I start arguing with Rodney. I said, Rodney, there's a lot of people in the Bible, and I'm putting a substitute name in there. Is the real name what? Rodney. I still remember what it was. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to get sued or canceled. The man said, The man said, well, real faith in the Bible… I said, Moses had doubts. He said God couldn't use him. God got so mad at Moses that his, the Bible said his anger burned against him, but he still used him even though he had to give him Aaron to speak for him. You got more faith than Moses? I said, Abraham lied about his wife. I went through a whole list of people who doubted, but God still used him. I said, you got more faith than all of them? He said, well, I guess when it comes to that, I do. By the time we got to where he was dropping me off in the driveway, We were about we were about to fist fight in in the driveway. And the man whose home it was, he came running out the house. He said, What in the world's going on? And he kind of broke us up and he took us in the house and Rodney left and spun out the driveway and pickup truck. And I sat down in the house and I said, Man, we were arguing about, he said, if you have any doubt, you don't have real faith. And this is what the man said to me. He said, If you teach that and preach that, you're gonna be broke, poor and sick all your life, and so will all the people that you lead and your future children, if you have any. I'm like, hey, man. Leave my hypothetical future children out of this. Make fun of me if you want. But he really thought that. He really thought that. He really thought that the proof of faith is the absence of doubt. He had no room in his view of who God is for an if, but Jesus did what the man needed. Even though the man wasn't perfectly convinced he could do it, because the man invited Jesus into the place where he had the greatest doubt and the greatest pain. And Now I think this might be my favorite prayer in the Bible, because I can get with this. I can get with this when I'm in a bad mood. I can get with this when I'm in a good mood. I can get with this when I'm riding high. I can get with this when, 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 when the news is bad. I can get with this any, any day of the week. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I'm not asking God to just take it away. I'm asking God, help me overcome it. Help me, my my faith is not gone. I just have to learn where to look. And sometimes the greatest faith, I, I need you to get this, is right underneath that biggest doubt. Sometimes the greatest thing that God wants to show you, if you will start lifting and looking and lifting and looking, you see what I'm saying? Because we can't just cover over it, we can't just come to church for a fresh coat of paint over our problems. We can't just come to church for a three-hour scriptural sugar boost to get us feeling good for a moment. It won't work, and we'll end up like the disciples saying, Why did I shout and sing and listen and take notes in church? Because you didn't invite Jesus into the real place of your pain. You didn't lose your faith. You just stopped looking at the surface. It's gone. It's gone. One boy broke up with you. I guess I'll never be loved. You're 14 years old. I guess it's gone. I guess every, you can't trust anybody. See how we do it? It's gone. You have to know where to look. Can I, can I preach something else? Sometimes you are so intimidated by it that you forget about him. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, is this good, y'all? Because this is good to me. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He didn't argue with the disciples, he didn't argue with the teachers, he didn't have to. He was bigger than it. So the disciples said, "Why, Why couldn't we drive it out? He said, Because you lost your focus. This kind can only come out through prayer. When we think about prayer, we think about maybe like a list of things that we say to God. But God is showing me lately that prayer is more about a lens than a list, and it's more about what I see than what I say. So if my prayer is always just let me let me just say my prayers, when Jesus said this kind can only come out by prayer the king james says and fasting but the original manuscripts don't say by fasting and even the fact look even the fact that he said this kind can only come out by prayer he's letting you know you can't do it alone you can't do it alone i looked on my message last week and and somebody said on a comment i don't usually read the comments pray for me i read them more than i should they said you left out fasting. It said by prayer and fasting. They didn't get the demon out because they didn't fast. Isn't that just like us to think if we'll just do one more thing, if we just do one more step? But it was their inability to rely on God's power in them that got them in the predicament to begin with. He said it's only by prayer. I mean, it's intimidating. How dare we judge the disciples that they couldn't cast out a demon? That's like all the The out of shape people watching these Olympic athletes, huh? Talking about well, that was pretty good. I mean, second place, it's all right. And I want to judge the disciples. Why couldn't you drive out the demon? You should have, you know, confessed the name of Jesus and prayed and fasted. I can't even get my kids to clean their room, y'all. And I'm going to judge the disciples for not casting out a demon. This is a demon that's been with this boy since childhood. How dare we judge them for that? It was intimidating. He said this kind can only come out by prayer. This isn't going to be like one of your other problems that you can fix in your own strength. I wonder, have you been, have you been losing it because you've been fighting on the wrong level? One of my friends went into a business situation a few weeks ago. And he said, when he pulled up to the person's house for the meeting, the house was so big and so beautiful that he lost his he lost his confidence. And he said, and I went in there and I I thought, I can't do this, I can't do this. When he went in to meet with the the people, after he left, they sent him a text and said, You are amazing. We have not stopped talking about how your spirit and he's a great Christian. He has an amazing oh man, this guy this guy changes the atmosphere of every room that he walks into. And he said afterward they were texting me how amazing the meeting was and how they were so impressed with me. He said I couldn't believe it because I went in so scared. And you know what I told him? I said yeah, because you got so caught up in what you were walking into that you forgot what you were walking in with. You forgot what you were walking in with because you were so focused. Who is this for? You were so focused on what you were walking into, but God says, if you will get a focus on what you are walking in with the Spirit of God. Not just your abilities, not just your education, not just your knowledge, not just your wisdom. At some point, that will fail you, but if you remember that you are walking in with the Spirit of God… and This is a guarantee of your inheritance. This is not corruptible. It cannot perish. It cannot spoil. It cannot fade. Whatever it I'm walking into, come on. I'm walking in with something that is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when Jesus confronted it, it had to back down because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I got it, devil. I got the spirit of God. I got the calling of God. I've got the purpose of God. I've got the work. Of God, I've got the assurance of God, I've got the anointing of God, I got a sling and a stone and a promise and a savior, and I still got faith after all I've been through and all it cost me and all they took in rock my speech, but it didn't take my faith. I do believe. I still believe. So, so let me give you a scripture. Lift before you look. Lift before you look. Stop looking at stuff on the surface and saying, "Oh, there's nothing there." Lift. Before you look, this is what Holly taught me. It's not gone. You just haven't looked yet. You just haven't looked yet. You haven't looked, so you haven't seen the opportunity that's in this hardship. You haven't seen the blessing that's in this rejection yet because you haven't looked. I will lift my eyes to the hills. What did the psalmist do? He said, I've got to lift before I look." They looked at the boy, and he looked dead, but Jesus reached down and lifted him up. Why? Lift before you look. Before you look at your schedule for the day, lift your eyes to the hills. You're going to need help today, and you've got it on the inside. Don't look so much at what you're walking into that you forget what you're walking in with. Oh, no. I'm a nobody with a somebody on the inside of me. I got to decrease so he can increase. I lift my eyes to the hills. I might be preaching for three people, but you haven't really looked yet. You've been saying there's nothing special about me. I don't really have a gift. I'm not anointed like those other people. I'm not called. I don't really see any benefit in this situation. You haven't really looked until you've lifted. And when you lift your eyes to the hills, the turning point for the Father is when He stopped looking at the crowd, stopped looking at the disciples, stopped looking at the symptoms. And he finally saw Jesus. I see Jesus coming toward your unbelief, coming toward your struggle, coming toward your issue. Will you lift your eyes? Lift. Lift before you look. He said, I lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help? It's not going to come from the disciples. It's not going to come from my own flesh. It's not going to come from my own solutions. My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And He will not suffer your foot to be moved. The Lord keepeth thee. He will not slumber nor sleep. For the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is Thy shade upon thy right hand, and the sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. He that keepeth Israel shall preserve your soul, even for evermore. Will you lift your eyes for a moment? You've been looking in the wrong places. You've been looking in the wrong places for your joy, for your peace. You didn't lose it. You didn't lose it. You just need somebody to help you look. And that's what the Spirit of God does. He searches all things, He helps you look in the places where you haven't looked yet. You know, God has put His help on the inside of you. And I just want to help you look for a moment. Stand to your feet. One time Paul prayed that the eyes of your heart might be open. The eyes of your heart might be open. Prayer isn't just about saying things to God, it's about seeing things as God sees them. I do believe. Would you say that? I do believe. Life has layered me with unbelief, but I'm not an unbeliever. I do believe. That's why I came today. I still believe. Sometimes my faith feels very weak and my joy feels very low, but I received this prophetic word today. I didn't lose it. I just need Jesus to help me look for it. I want you to pray. Like I asked Holly, I want you to ask God, say, help me look, Lord, because when I see things with my own eyes, I misjudge them. I see them from a human appearance. Show me what's really going on with my children. Show me what's really driving that behavior. Show me what's really beneath the fear that I feel. Show me what's, what's lurking beneath that. Help me overcome. My unbelief. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit elevationchurch.org/podcast for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends. You can click the share button. Take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Elevation Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.